Hey everybody, it's Drew from Sleep With Me, and I'm believe it or not, I'm live here uh, from Golden Gate Park, recorded live, uh, and I've got a little announcement. We're teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you two exclusive episodes. Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moments from tons of podcasts and creates playlist clips so you can try a bunch of shows out and find something new to love. Each playlist has its own topic or theme. You could try out the Music Decoded playlist with clips all about unpacking and analyzing music, uh, or Slice of Life, which is all about the crazy or incredible things that happen to everyday people. Also, Spoke has fun, exclusive content from Farrell. And that's why I'm here live at Golden Gate Park. I just concluded uh, recording one of these episodes that's only going to be available exclusively on Spoke. I'm lying here in the grass. Uh, you definitely do not want to miss these special episodes. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of Sleep With Me's exclusive Spoke episodes. You can find them all at Spoke.com slash sleep with me that's spoke.com slash sleep with me check it out uh and i'll see you in golden gate park at stowe lake bye guys i want to tell you about a great sponsor i have bompus they're premium high performance athletic socks and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off and because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters for every pair of socks purchased bompus donates one pair of those to those in need almost one million pairs donated to date 15 percent off the first purchase of four or more socks, plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. You, if you if you like that music I'm listening to there, I'm listening to, you're listening to, I'm not listening to it. It's not playing while I record this. But if you like it, it's by a band called Les Blanks. Check them out, lesblanks.com. And they got a new album coming out in the new year, too. That's going to be a real super duper. Um, if you haven't listened to the show before, it is just what the title implies. It's a conversation I have with somebody who's more interesting than me, which is no easy feat because I'm riveting. Uh, I'm so riveting, I barely leave my house, and I read books and, <laughs> and watch television until I fall asleep in a chair. That's my life. Try to top that. Uh, I have a conversation today with Danny Bland, who wrote the book novel, In Case We Die. And I can take a, you could take a guess from the title there that, in, there's, that there's probably some danger living going on in this book. It, uh, it's got some things about intravenous drug use and romance and i mean what how does romance and intravenous drug use not go hand in hand uh it's a really great book and it's probably one of my favoriteest books i've read in a long time and uh so we're going to get into talking about that book and the world of junkiedom and seattle and other kinds of fascinating things um so there's that i feel like i should be saying something here I'm feeling, you know, actually, I was in a really bad mood until I talked to Danny. I've been feeling very, um, you know, like Harold Budd talked a couple episodes ago about self-pitying, and I think I've been feeling a little self-pitying about uh, life lately. And, and you know, you, f you forget. I forget that I do the show. People listen to it. They like it. Uh, I just get, you know, because I don't have that instant gratification. I won't lie to you. I'm a guy who likes instant gratification. That's why I had, you know, was a chronic masturbator and troublemaker for years because <laughs> I needed I needed now I needed some uh, feel good now um but sometimes you know and I'm I, this is probably in every it doesn't even have to be like creative worlds like you your life sometimes it stalls and it takes a shit on you and you get a red slip for your electric bill and you're like what the fuck you know like what is going on here at this time in my life you see your friends you know, do something really super cool, and you're like, ah, my life is not super cool. But it is not true. That's just all self-perspective, you know? It's like, I get to do this. I get to have a conversation with Danny Bland, who um, 
is a super fascinating guy. Every week I I talk to like really great, awesome people, and yet I'm just yes all day today. I was just like, poor me, I'm a big fat fucking loser. Um, but it's easy, man. It's just so easy to get negative and feel crappy about yourself, and I don't like it. I get mad at myself. Um, I don't know. I don't know what my point is here. It's not really one of my funnier openings to the show, but. You know, I just, sometimes we can, you know, I got a great girlfriend. I got an, you know, I don't have the biggest apartment in town, but I'll tell you this. I don't have cockroaches. I don't have uh, pimps slapping around hookers in the hallway. And you know what? I've had that. I've lived in those places. I used to live in this place in Chicago in Wicker Park, which is now all yuppified. Uh, but when I lived there, I'd walk out of my door, walk cut through an alley to go to the bus stop and syringes and bullet shells. So now I live in, you know, Glendale, which is the ugly sister of L.A., which is, you know, L.A. is like this hot little mama, and I got the stubby-legged, low-hanging titty girl. <laughs> that's that's who I'm dating in the city world. Uh, but, yeah, I feel better about talking about that. Thank you. Thank you very much for letting me vent my bullshit. Or maybe you didn't. Maybe you just fast-forwarded it. Now I feel... It's not easy to say fast forward dead did. I don't even know if that's like is that proper? Fast forward dead did. I wish I did my show live so people could instant message me and be like, it's improper. And I'm gonna guess it's improper because I come from a family that's like very working class. My mother has the worst grammar on it's it's amazing I can string sentences together half the time. It's amazing I made it out of high school. But that's that's all my talent. Had a little bit to do with drugs. Um, anyway, speaking of drugs, I'm going to get into this conversation with Danny Bland. Read his book in case we die. It's super great. Here he is explaining what this book is about. And to start off, I just I wanted to ask you to describe the book um, because I think you're going to have a better time articulating than my bumbling self. <laughs> uh, uh, like describe it for the for for the for the listener or just for you? Oh, for the listener, for the those who are listening okay. to the show. Well, um, I I sort of describe it as a, uh, 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 a sneaky. Uh, Filthy, uh, drug-soaked romance novel, because because uh, <laughs> when 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 all is said and done, you know it's 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 a love story, and and uh, you know most books are when when you peel away the surfaces, so when when you when you peel away the the, the literary onion, as it were. <laughs> yeah, and it surely is drug-soaked. That's that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. which is also one of my favorite uh, kind of books and but why do you think that is why do you think that people have a f- sort of a fascination with drug books uh, specifically like heroin junkie books uh you know it's probably because um you know whether it's true or not it seems to be the the, the ultimate drug taboo you know the um I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm convinced there's other drugs that are actually worse for you, but, uh, you know, and alcohol being one and, and, and methamphetamine definitely being, definitely being one, but it just sort of, you know, there, there's, it's sort of in folklore, there's, there's, you know, the, the, the seediest of, of, of wretched drug addicts is that guy who's sticking a needle in his arm. So. Yeah. There's also, I mean, and there's, that is a very, it's a frightening and yet like you can't help but be fascinated by it um that that world yeah and people seem to be fascinated by blood you know i mean uh, whether it's uh whether it's a whether it's junkies or vampires people seem to be fascinated by blood <laughs> <laughs> now did uh, uh did you draw from a lot of your own self experience to write this or is this just a world you're around or... Oh, I I was uh, uh, heroin addict for probably ten years. So 
yeah, I, uh, I know a thing or two about it from personal experience. Now, because that's, uh, yeah, I, 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 as I was reading the book, I was curious if that was, uh, if it was the character was based on a lot of your own personal experiences. Is, was it? Was that you kind of? Yeah. Is there stuff in that? Um, is, was there, go ahead. Oh, I was just curious if there was stuff in the book that you didn't even have to uh, really elaborate on, if you just sort of were like transcribing events in your life. I'd say most of it was that way. Um, you know, there is uh, we, Charlie Hyatt and I definitely share uh, a lot. Uh, you know, share a great deal of the experiences in the book, and you know, I mean, that's what they say. You know, write what you know, and and. Uh, and uh, and I figured I should squeeze something good out of that uh, dark dark period of my life. So so I got some stories, you know. Yeah, you you certainly if you, if you go by the book, <laughs> you certainly do. And it's and not to, I mean the book is incredibly well written, and I mean it's pretty goddamn enthralling. I mean I I thanks man. And I I kind of have yet to stop thinking about it, and I think it's been it's been a half a week or a week since I finished it, and it's. I mean, it definitely lingers in in your brain. Um, but good. I mean, you know, it's funny because that that when you when you take the time, you know, it's the first book I've ever written, and uh, and you, and and, uh, and I'm a, you know I'm a tour manager and 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 uh, and got and have to work. It's not like I just sit there at a desk and write all day long. So so it took a while. You know, it takes you two and a half. Took me two and a half years to write that book. And, uh, and then you, um, and then you get, you know, I get nice notes, uh, on, on, you know, on Twitter or Facebook from people and they're like, oh man, I bought the book. I, I, you know, I couldn't set it down for two days and, 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 uh, when's the next one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you could just spit those things out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to figure out how Stephen King does it. Uh, in the old days, he did shit tons of cocaine. Is what the story was. Cocaine and Black Sabbath, and he would just, uh, which who actually you take a shot at in the uh, your character takes a shot at Stephen King in the book. Actually, it's weird how I brought that up. Yeah, it, it's funny because I've never actually I've never actually read a Stephen King book, uh, and um, and in you know in the in, especially in that particular part section of the book, he's ultra cynical and. And angry at everything, and uh, for some reason, the, just the first author that came to mind when I thought of, uh, you know, a, a popular writer was Stephen King. So, so I took a, I took a cheap shot at Stephen King in the book, and uh, you know, hopefully, it doesn't come back to bite me in the ass. Well, you're, you're character, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think a lot of people feel the same about Stephen King. I, I don't have enough reference level to his stuff to. Uh, to really judge, but uh, yeah. But how did you make the transition from? Because you you were, were in bands, and, and then you're a touring manager. Did you had you always written stuff non music oriented, or was this just suddenly a I'm going to write a novel? Um. It, well, it was it was hardly suddenly. I mean, I thought I had thought about it for a long time, and and uh, I'm a huge fan. I've I've written. You know, I wrote songs, and I wrote. I wrote a few things here and there, but, um, uh, and, and I was trying when, when I, when I wrote the book, I was trying to purposely, uh, not make it very musical. I mean, it turned out to be musical. I guess you can't really help it because when you, you know, when you're in, when you're in the music biz your whole life, it's going to, it's going to seep into it. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, on purpose, uh, I made, made sure that Charlie was not a musician, you know, and at the time when, when I worked at the uh, Champ Arcade and the Graveyard Shift in Seattle in the, in the early '90s, I I played in the band as well. But I didn't want him to be a musician. I just wanted him to be a, a retail porn salesman. <laughs> you know, that's that's another job that's always uh, a world that's fascinated me. I always wanted to work in one of those porn stores just to see what it's like and. It's, I mean, it's. It seems from your book, it seems like a pretty grueling, harsh world. Uh, well, I mean, at, at the time, you know, when I got the job, I thought it was perfect. It was just great, you know, because 
uh, the first thought was, you know, it was a graveyard shift and nobody else wanted it. So that was plus, you know, I mean, I could get it easily and, and, uh, and, you, and I could show up in sort of any, any sort of shape physically. I could show, I could show up in any sort of toxic shape imaginable and they'd still allow me to work, you know, cause, uh, because of the, uh, again, everybody was interested in don't, not being there, and I was interested in being there. So, uh, um, you, you know, it, it was definitely a job that I was built for at the time. Yeah, it seems like it would be kind of depressing. There's that moment in your book where you list all the girls' names that work in the booths, <clears throat> and then, of course, tag it with, like, what their uh, sort of... Uh, problem in life is and it's like i mean it's incredibly dark and also wonder it's like i'm a big fan of anything dark so it's also incredibly wonderful but i mean i can't well, yeah that particular part that's a um that's sort of a parody on a on an edward gory poem so he has he has a poem about the called the uh, I can't remember what it's called right now, but we're all, all the kids that he lists off and what and what various diseases and ways that they died, and so that's a parody of that. But uh, you know, even at the time, like uh, I don't think I don't think even you know when I got fired eventually, I don't think I walked away from it going, man, that was a depressing place to work. I think it was years later, in, in retrospect, where I saw like, that affected me, sort of. On a, on a psych, on a you know, a psychological level, uh, on all kinds of ways, it sort of made me numb to uh, numb to a lot of things. So it's definitely not a healthy environment. Although I did not recognize that at the time. Yeah, I've worked in a lot of bars, and it's sort of a similar thing. And you don't realize you're facilitating people who are often hurting, and you're facilitating them hurting themselves further. <laughs> And you just sort of shut yourself down, so because if you really think about yeah. it, you'll you'll lose your fucking mind. Right. There's no way that you can. Uh, there's no way that you could think about it in that in that context and, and still come to work day after day after day. So you just don't. But yeah, it's like being a like being a soldier. <laughs> I think I think I compare it to being a soldier many times in the book, actually. And you know, and. Uh, and and for some reason, I've, I've been talking about that notion in, in a couple different interviews, you know, because people, people always, again, you know, they talk about the fascination with books about junkies and, and like, why do so many junkies write books? And, and, uh, and I sort of have to compare it to, you know, it's not a fair comparison, but you sort of compare it to being at war or, uh, you know, the camaraderie that comes with, but being at war is the same as, as, as being a junkie because you, you know, you're in this impossible situation and you lose friends and, and, uh, and it's, and it's bleak and it sort of eats at, uh, eats at your psyche and at your insides. Yeah, I can't, I mean, I've definitely been down some dark roads in my life, but I don't think, I mean, I've fortunately was able to, uh, see that if I did heroin, I knew that was not... It's like, I knew myself well enough where I was like, I know where that's going to end up. And it's... And I often am thankful that I, you know... But I went and, you know, got fucked up on coke, so that's cool. (laughs) Well, you know, the thing, the... uh, In the the book, I tried to make... Tried to bring a lot of humor to the the scenario, too, because it's not like we sat around doing drugs, just thinking about how miserable you were. I, I had a good time, you know, for, for a long time it works for you, you know. And so I tried to bring that, I've tried to bring a lot of that to the book. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, I mean, it is a very adventuresome book at times. Now, I don't, is, I see, I don't want to talk about the book too much because I don't want to give it away, but there's so right. much curiosity that I, I, I like, I want to sort of be like, is that real too? Because <laughs> it's because there's some pretty incredible stuff in there. But like the one, right? Well, you can turn up, you can turn off the tape recorder, and we'll. Yeah, I can ask you afterwards. <laughs> I want to keep people as curious as possible about the, uh, but uh, about the book though, because it is, and it's uh, like, did you just sit down? Because like often, if when I write, I just kind of like write and I go and discover. But there's so many great sort of turns in your book where you're just like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. <laughs> it's like, right, right. and it's 
it's kind of it's jarring in a, in a good way. Did did you sit and plot out this book, or did you sort of just go, "I'm going to puke this out of my brain," and since this is my life? Uh, uh, well, you know, I, I I knew how I wanted to to begin, and I knew how I wanted it to end, and uh, um, and and I sort of just I wrote the beginnings of each. Or I wrote the beginning, and I wrote the end, and 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 and, and I sort of just let the let the insides just flow, let let it happen. And you know, there was I knew that there were a, I knew that there were a few subjects in there I wanted to deal with, and there were a few subjects I didn't want to deal with, you know. And and that's why there's there's sort of that there's a bit of a you know there's a there's a break in time in the middle of the book where where our hero is, uh, you know, assumed to uh, get sober and get clean. And that, that story has been told uh, so many times in so many different ways that I just, you know, I just decided, you know, let's just skip that. Let's just skip it and let the reader figure out on their own how that happened. And, uh, and everything else, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I mean, I got lucky. Everything sort of worked in a cohesive storyline. Yeah, because to me, uh, uh, writing a novel seems like the most daunting, terrifying task in the world, and I've probably started about twenty. <laughs> it's, it's the same with me. I mean, I thought the same thing. I, I would, and that's what took me. That's why it took me, you know, to the took me to uh, you know the ripe age of fifty to get my first novel published because it is a daunt. It does seem to be a daunting task, but I sort of looked. At the buffoonery of my life in general, it's like I've and, and I've done plenty of daunting things I didn't think I would ever do. So why not that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, but was it a progression? Did you like write short stories, or was it from music right to this novel? Um, you know, I thought of. I, I knew I wanted to write, and I thought of. Um, but also, I, I knew that, uh, like, I could write short stories for myself all day long. But I knew that if I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted to, st I wanted to tell a couple people's stories in this book, and uh, and I knew that, uh, you know, a full novel was going to be really the only way that people were going to see it. So I sort of just I, I brushed off the idea of short stories or poems or any sort of any other arty farty templates of storytelling. It's like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I need to, I, I want to put something out that people are going to hold in their hands and read. And that is a novel. And, you know, I mean, it, and I started with, with every intention of doing it myself, if need be, because, uh, you know, um, uh, it was going to get done and it was going to be put in some people's hands no matter what. And uh, I got lucky the Fantagraphics published it uh, and wanted to put it out, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, I figured that that was that was it. It just it just has to be done. Did you uh, did you give them a finished product? Because I know a lot of my friends are like, write three chapters and write this letter, and you know, try to get them to say they'll publish it before it's even finished. Which to me, if somebody gave me money, I probably might slack off. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, yeah, I'll get to that. Now, I mean, by the time I by the time we handed it over to to Fantagraphics, it was it was all but done. Um, you know, and they contributed. I mean, you know, in the the final product, they contributed so much to it. You know, because the way it looks, and that you know the typesetting they used, and the and the you know the interesting notes that they put in the book, and the photographs and everything else, it just it really makes it, it sort of makes it uh, finishes it out perfectly and. Uh, so, you know, it's not as if I handed them this and they just printed it up and, and, and put it out. They definitely contributed a lot to the book. But the the text, the story was pretty much pretty much just handed to them. And uh, and and, and uh, Eric Reynolds and I did a, a final pass through editing wise. But um, uh, but yeah, and I. I I think that I think that notion of sending somebody three chapters and a and a nice cover letter is I don't know if that works in the wild west of publishing anymore. 
Yeah, it seems too like it, it. It seems especially for a new, especially for a new author or someone that that no one's ever heard of before. I noticed they got three chapters from Danny Bland a year ago. They definitely wouldn't have paid attention to it. So and <laughs> getting the whole. Thing. Well, it also seems like a horrible way to discourage like potential great novels from existing. Because if somebody gets creative, people can be easily discouraged, and it's like if they get one yeah. rejection later, they could just be like, "Ah, oh, fuck this," and right. we could have lost like Confederacy of Dunces and God knows what. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, and 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 if you know, if you're an, a writer or an artist of any type, it's like you just need you need to finish you need to finish that thing for you, and there's just. Uh, you know, because if you ever thought of, you know, if you ever thought of the commerce part of art, then you would never finish the thing in your life because the odds are too uh, astronomically against you. You know, and you know, even even at this juncture, like the, you know, the time I put into it, the, you know, the 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 money I spent on the recording of the audiobook and all those other things, it's like, we're, I'm nowhere near making any money. I don't know when I will be, but. Uh, I didn't do it for that. I did it because I wanted to, I, I, you know, I wanted it to see the light of day and I wanted to tell these stories. So uh, that's the real motivation. It can't be financial. There's just no way. Yeah. <clears throat> we Now, speaking of commerce, do you, did you notice a difference between the art and commerce of music and publishing, or is it kind of the same? Or is it, was it a, did you have a total different experience? I think it, to me it seems to be kind of the same, but um, I had a, you know, I mean, I've been in music for a long, long time and I've gotten lucky and, and uh, you know, I've had, I've, I've been in bands that have been on uh, cool indie labels and, and, uh, um, and I've been in bands that have put out their own records and uh, so you know, it's it's kind of uh, you know in the, back in the back in the eighties, I think, or you know when uh, when when people were actually starting to put out their own records and on their own labels and blah blah blah. I think that uh, that that state of the music industry is sort of where publishing is now, and we'll see a lot more of it. And I think that's great. Yeah, I have some friends who've uh, self-released books, and I'm actually thinking about doing that. But that again, it's like it's also like I'm not like most creative people have a I think are not good with the technical sort of like business element of things, and like I just my brain starts freezing <laughs> when it comes to that sort. Yeah. Of, um, well, and I had a lot. I got a lot of experience in marketing from being in groups and and uh, and you know, being a tour manager. And so I knew that that was going to be part of it. And, uh, I think if I would have just written the book and then handed it over to someone and, and, uh, you know, crawled into my basement and started writing another one that it wouldn't have gotten as much attention as it has. But I, you know, I did, I've, I've, I've done the reading tour and I've gone out and I've shaked hands and kissed babies and all that other stuff that you have to do in order <laughs> in order to prostitute yourself off uh, as I am perfectly willing to do, hence the conversation I'm having with you. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm glad I could be your pimp or whatever I would. In the... Yeah, oh, yeah. I, and how, yeah, because how, because to me, a book tour seems really fucking exciting. Like, is it, was that, is that a lot of fun? Because you were, like, all over the goddamn place. Yeah. Is that, is... well... It was, it is, it was fun, and I still have one more date left. I'm going to be, I'll be reading at uh, Elliott Bay Bookstore in Seattle, Washington, on the 12th here coming up this Saturday. And, uh, um, but it was great, you know. It was, for me, being a tour manager, it was most people are like, "Oh, you're back on tour again? What a drag!" It's like, actually, no. It's just me and a book and a backpack. I'm like a hobo with a book, you know, like I'm hopping on trains, I'm hopping on buses. I'm, 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 I, I did everything short of hitchhike to the next venue, you know, and I'm staying with people and, and it was, you know, I'm staying with old friends and it was, uh, it was super fun. And, you know, with, with this, instead of a sound check and, and, uh, and all the other uh, things that go into doing a rock show, I show up five minutes before reading time and stand there and, you know, 
hopefully there's people there and then I got lucky there always was. And, uh, and hopefully they're not revolted by the first things that come out of my mouth and they generally weren't. <laughs> now, how did, how did, how do women respond to, uh, the, is there a difference? Cause or maybe it's a myth, but like if you're in a band, there's the myth of like chicks are going to be into it regardless. <laughs> Like, do chicks get into authors that much, or is that a different world? Not that you, I'm saying that you were, like, uh, groupie cruising. <laughs> well, um, you know, I would say that there would, uh, um, I would say that 80% of the people who showed up the readings were were ladies. Um, but I think that maybe, I think that might be regardless of who's reading, you know, male or female, because... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that much about it. But um, what I observed was, you know, eighty percent of the crowds were females, and most everybody assigned books were. But I, I think that guys just sort of guys are different, and they probably and they, maybe they bought a book, but weren't, weren't going to wait in line for me to sign it. And uh, I don't know. Uh, this is this is all new territory for me. Yeah, I can't. I mean, it must be. I mean, you. It's, but is, is it like this thing? You know, is it? Uh, I don't think there's. Is there a bunch of lit groupies? Not, not, not in my experience. No, no, no underwear coming at you while you're while you're reading chapters. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, but maybe Saturday will be different. Yeah, I mean, Bukowski was yeah, an Saturday. ugly uh, motherfucker, and he got all kinds of ladies once he got famous. So thanks, man. I was no, I wasn't saying you were. <laughs> that did come off that way, didn't it? Uh, no. no, I'm just um, saying if, the, if he can get chicks from writing books, you know. Sure. Well, it's funny the um, because uh, because the, you know you can't really read too many parts out of the book without it being nasty in some way or another, and so uh, you know you have to choose carefully. And it's kind of funny because there, in different parts of the country, different people were sort of, uh, or um, different people were definitely sort of shifting in their seats and maybe looking away from me whenever I would look up and make eye contact. Uh, there's definitely an uncomfortable thing that goes on there. But at the same time, it's not like they got up and left. I mean, I think they know what they're getting into a little bit. And... Uh, and uh, and they enjoy it. They just don't want to look me in the eye while I do it. That's, <laughs> while I read them. That's that's really interesting too, because I never. I live in a world of where people kind of relish their dark pasts and dark books, mm-hmm. and, and it's like I always forget that there's parts of the world that that shit, like your book, would terrify some people. Right. I mean that in the best. I mean that in a complimentary way, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I- I didn't. I didn't think it was any other way. <laughs> well, and you know, it was funny because in in, uh, in Durham, North Carolina, there was there were about there were zero hipsters. There were zero rock and rollers at the reading. It was all uh, professors and uh, and people from the school from Duke there. And uh, so I, th- I thought that was really interesting because they but they had but we had like the longest Q and A session. Of, of all the dates afterwards and and uh, and you know they wanted to talk they wanted to talk more about the actual writing than the than the than the drugs and the porn which was which was refreshing for me and and sort of a little frightening too because I have some I have some stock answers when it comes to drugs and porn but I have no stock answer when it comes to you know when it comes to writing and 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 and, and apparently they had all read the book because they they had some detailed questions so it's interesting that that is really interesting and it's it's weird because i have a lot of friends who've gone through extensive writing programs and it's a lot of the writing world seems to be this very like overly educated and very like in insular world but the one thing that it's like it doesn't matter how many like i would like i think that's one of the reasons they were fascinated is that they they spend so much time in being in schools talking and analyzing writing, but it's like a guy like you has so much fucking experience to draw from. Where I think these, yeah. I mean, I don't, 
I'm going to take a wild guess. Some of those. They did. They asked about what what programs that I had gone to, and I was like, I have never stepped foot into an institution of higher education. <laughs> Not one. So let's let's move forward from there. <laughs> but I mean, I think that says kind of volumes about the literary world because it's like your book is amazingly written and it's very from the heart and your life experiences and it's like sorry you blew all that money in duke motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> well i spent just as much on drugs i'm sure and and, uh, and, and uh, institutions and getting sober and all that stuff so you know it, it probably all evens out in the end <laughs> So you you got like a PhD from uh, Harvard, possibly. In, exactly, pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. But yeah, and what was like? The, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, no, I was just, uh, I was just, I think that there is a, uh, um, uh, I was, I was thinking about it because we we were talking about a lot of different things, and mostly their their comments were do were more about, uh, you know, revealing how. How how uh, not not how brave it was, but how uh, difficult it is to reveal oneself uh, in in uh, on the page like that, and and you know I guess that that is the kind of thing that you don't that you can't take a class on, and it's actually and and you know in the it was my thought that it's not it is something you can't really think about very much or else you won't do it, so you know you hold your nose and you write. You write what you need to write, and then you don't think about it too much, and you try to get it in front of somebody before, before you get scared, or before you're frightened, or, or uh, you know, before you realize that the world is a cynical and cruel place, a place, and they'll probably laugh at you. You can't think of any of those things first. You just have to do it, you know. Yeah, and it seems like it, from the people I know and stuff that who are a bit more easily able to share themselves to come from a raw world where almost where that is your defense it seems to be like here it is like now you can't touch it <laughs> it's like you know right. made it on where i think most people in uh more educated and say white collar worlds are more trained to protect that stuff because it's could hurt the family <laughs> and all that yeah, right right <laughs> uh well, that's that's funny. You know, the first time that uh, the first time that my mom actually heard anything from the book was when she was sitting at the book reading in Phoenix, Arizona, and about to hear me say it out loud in front of a hundred people. <laughs> so, uh, but my mom's a fan of me and always has been, so she was not shocked to hear what I said. Yeah, I was. Yeah, because I've I uh, when I do shows and stuff, I. I try to keep some of the family at bay because like, like you don't. But now, now that I think of it, she she got one that night, and I have not heard from her since. So maybe was she uh... maybe I didn't do so well. <laughs> was she aware of uh, some of of your history? Uh, probably. Oh sure, absolutely. Yeah, everybody. You can't really you can't really uh, you know dive into that world and recover and survive and live and then and then kind of keep it on the down low. It's not it's not healthy and it's not realistic to think that you could do that. So yeah, and I mean if I had if I was you know, if I was strange for my family or something like that, then I could have done it I suppose. But but uh, we're we're tight. They know what goes on with me. They didn't know until it was, you know they didn't know until it was too late. They didn't know until I was institutionalized, but uh, but I think that worked out for the best too. Hey, we're going to get uh, back to the conversation with Danny Bland in one second. I just wanted to take this moment out to thank you very much for listening to my show. It really means a great deal to me, and it means a lot to us at Feral Audio that uh, people keep coming back and listening. If you could do us the favor, because we give this show to you free, we sacrifice a great deal. Dustin Marshall, my producer, this is his life, his job, and he lives off of the donations we get and and funds the studio with the donations we get. And we spend that money not frivolously on st stupid things like video games. We we buy equipment. We spend it on gas and books and whatnot so we can travel. 
and and read and 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 be ready prepared for these shows so we could do research so please 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 if you can donate some money even the little bit uh, uh, will help if you can't afford to donate i totally understand go to my amazon page there on feralaudio.com use the link anytime you buy something like you could say buy a bun- shoes you could buy shoes on <laughs> amazon you could buy rubber hoses uh, whatever you need around your house, buy some Cheerios, oatmeal. Uh, we get a kickback of that money, and that helps us out immensely. Also, if you get a chance, go to my iTunes page, go, uh, where my show is, and uh, write a review. Give it five stars. Uh, if you take a screenshot and email me at conversationswithdewire at gmail, I will send you a sticker. I'm stickers are getting made so it's going to take a few weeks but I promise you I'll send them also follow me on Twitter Matt underscore Dwyer or Matt Dwyer at tumblr.com and I write and things about the show and post pictures and all kinds of stuff so you get a sometimes you get a visual with uh, who I'm talking about okay I'm done go back to listening to Danny Bland now was the element of uh, because it seems like people are am I nuts or are people sort of becoming re-interested in the Seattle scene of the nineties. Does that seem like also a, something, are you noticing that? Um, well, I, maybe it's been enough years where it's finally a little, it's time for some nostalgia. Um, you know, I mean, it could be there's, yeah, we're getting, it's what, uh, just this week the, you know, the, the, in utero is being re-released because of IS, what I assume is the 20th anniversary, yes. maybe, and uh, and you know they're being and and so there's a whole you know there's a whole uh, crop of kids who who weren't old enough to be into it at the time, so now they're getting to learn. Or, or um, and, and that's weird. I don't really think of you know when I come home when I am in Seattle, which uh, is not nearly enough. I. I sort of just think of the, the city uh, as a as a physical thing. I don't really think too much about the music scene. I'm just a part of it, and and I think isn't it nice to be out of the sun? Isn't it nice to be away from uh, from the from the dirty city and, and and overlooking the water like I am right now? And it's uh, so I, yeah. I mean, I don't really think of Seattle music scene that much just because I'm I'm in the middle of it. Right. Yeah, I, I think it just might because it's not definitely something in the book you don't really like make a part of the book. It's not like this, like, and Kurt Cobain was having a beer. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah, try not. <laughs> but I think it just resonated for me because I, I'm guessing we're roughly in the same age. And just your description of uh, some of the women you were involved with, like almost every one of them, I was like, I knew her. I knew somebody. <laughs> I I made that terrible mistake with that woman. <laughs> it's like it really resonated a lot of personal uh, experiences with me, which I think also made it a lot. Uh, also very, which I th- probably would with anybody, because it's everybody has, I think, dated those chicks who are doomed. Yeah. Well, and more importantly, and and uh, more importantly, not more importantly, but uh, um, what I've noticed is that everybody. Uh, almost every woman that you know has a Charlie Hyatt in her life or had one, you know, cause they don't stick around for too long. But, uh, um, and, and so everyone can relate to, everyone can relate to both of them. There's not, there's not many too, there's not too many versions of, of uh, Carrie Finch because she was a sort of a unique case in every way, but there's plenty of versions in, uh, of Charlie Hyatt and they're all over the country and every girl has had to run in with him and, and they, and they, uh, um, they, you know, maybe they regret, they regret such things, but they also uh, have a fond place in their hearts for him as well. Yeah, I've, uh, I've lost a lot of girls to Charlie Finch's in the world, but it is, <laughs> it's interesting because how women are so drawn to that sort of uh, guy who's going to be like, see you later, real quick, or. Maybe steal some money out of their purse. Well, thank God. That's what I say. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, do, yeah, you, do you look back at a lot of those years? Is it because a lot of times people look back at that those years and kind of there's a a definite fondness for that for the 
for the rumble tumble years? Yeah, I I definitely do. I mean, usually I get the usually the questioning uh, about you know about looking back uh, is always like do do you know was it hard to look back at your dark years? But I do recall a, a lot of it fondly, you know, because we were you know we were young and wild and free, and we were fucking uh, exercising our demons, and it was and it was amazing, and. Uh, and it won't. It isn't going to happen again. You know, I'm 50 years old now. There's no way I can go out and act like that anymore. Nor would I want to. But uh, you know, for for all the for all the horribleness of it, it, there's also you know, it also formed me as a person, and it formed my sense of humor, and it formed my sense of right and wrong, however askew that may be. And uh, so. Yeah, I, I do look back on it fondly. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you're saying that, and it's like you, you can't help. I don't know. Your twenties are just a kind of a shit fire, but there's so much importance put put on it, yeah. and it's like that. There's so much importance in our society on twenty year olds and and being like young, and it's like you really. You're. I look back and I'm like, I'm lucky I didn't fucking kill myself or somebody else, or well. Uh, I think there's a lot of importance put on it now. I don't really remember uh, being marketed to back then. You know, I mean, I think we were sort of because we were, you know, punk rock or or not far removed from it, and it was a new thing. I think well, they, they, you know, society as a whole tried to do the best to uh, ignore us in a way. I don't really, like I said, I don't really remember being marketed to the way that 20-somethings are marketed to now. And, uh, you know, I mean, I have a 22-year-old daughter, so, and I have to keep that in mind sometimes when, uh, you know, and, and she she is, uh, she is a saint to me. She's not really up to anything. She can't possibly do anything as horrible as I did, but um, I have to remember that she's 20 years old and she's going to go nuts and I got a letter, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I would... Uh... I don't have any kids, and but that, that is the uh, especially with the way I was. I'm like, man, I would just be in a constant state of panic. <laughs> especially, it's like, and especially now because there's so much. It seems, unless I'm just getting old, but it just seems like there's more madness out there in the world these days. Yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, you know. They've, they've definitely invented a few drugs since I stopped taking them. Um, and uh, they, they definitely, you know, when I was a drinker, there were there were two kinds of tequila, like bad tequila or good tequila and the kind that I drank. And now, like, I'll walk in the club and I'll see, like, 100 or 200 different bottles. Like, Jesus Christ. But, uh, um, and, uh, yeah, there was no such thing as Oxycontin when I was, when I was a junkie. Uh, but, um, but, uh, you know, if, if I ever do re- retire from sobriety, I look, I look forward to sampling all those. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's because that was an interesting uh, thing you said earlier. It was like that you think alcohol is worse than heroin. Cause I think most people would be like, what? And I, I'm curious to know what, what your take is on that. Well, the, you know, I mean, I, I you know, I, I also worked in a treatment center, you know, like, like Charlie does in the book. I worked in a treatment center um, for uh, a year or maybe a little bit longer. Um, and uh, I just saw the sort of the devastation from alcohol is, I mean, first of all, like when you come in from, you know, when you come in as a, heroin addict or an Oxycontin addict, they really just sort of put you in a bed and monitor you. There's not, there's not really a lot they can do for you uh, as far as medication and all that other stuff goes. It just, it's just something that has to pass. But if someone's coming in, it's someone coming in with the chronic alcoholism, then it's sort of like you're, you have a doctor monitoring you. You have, there's, there's, I mean, alcohol withdrawals, uh, are the only withdrawals that you can actually die from. Like you'll feel like hell for the rest of the drugs, but the one that you're gonna that you could possibly die from is alcohol. And uh, 
and it's just so you know and and i'm glad that i favored narcotics i mean i was an alcoholic too i drank with the best of them but um but alcohol is something that i could sort of give up in favor in you know in lieu of something in lieu of the drugs that i really wanted but uh you know as far as being an alcoholic goes once you're once you once you go into treatment and you then you have to walk around on in our community in our world uh you know there's no billboards that say heroin light everywhere you go so i mean you're bombarded by messages about alcohol and it must be it must be horrible is is, is what i was thinking and the, the phys, you know the physical things that alcohol do to you from from what i've seen from working treatment centers is devastating yeah yeah, I don't. It's it's. It, it seems to, to me that people seem to get more. Society does. It doesn't seem like booze is as big as a threat as it used to be. I don't know if that sounds asinine, but it seems like it's being slightly glorified again in in films, opposed to cautionary tales. Uh, it's, I mean, alcohol has always been glorified. I mean, I guess. You know, I mean, in, in the world of film, it's like, uh, you know, the, the, the world of film is like is like the world of music. There was, even in, in, in the movies, sort of like lamest decades, there's always something good going on. You know, even in music, it's the same way. Whenever there was, you know, if you're, if you're talking about some year that, it, the year where all you could hear was Kansas and Sticks, there was always something good going on. You just had to search for it and film is the same way and 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 those films are gonna uh those films are going to uh, uh you know i mean all films glorify alcohol but there's gonna, there's always some seedier element there's always someone exploring dark elements in in film and in those almost always involve drugs right yeah drugs and crime hand in hand <laughs> What now? How does it feel to be? Because you've gotten, from what I've seen, all the press for your book has been extremely positive. I mean, after you struggled to write this thing for two and a half years, I mean, you must feel like a a, a king. It's been pretty dang good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, a, <laughs> there's been a couple of there's been a couple of sour ones. I can't I can't pretend like I made everybody happy, but uh, but in general, um, people seem to dig it, and people seem to respond to it on a, on a real emotional level and, and, and relate to it. And people are, uh, people are getting it. And that is, that's very satisfying to me. And, you know, I'm just barely comfortable with calling myself a writer, but, uh, uh, as a writer, <laughs> it is, uh, it's very satisfying. And, and, uh, you know, and I, and I, you know, I had always, I had planned on writing another one anyway, but, uh, it feels good when people ask about it. So. Yeah. Now, it, I saw a couple times you were compared to Bukowski, or they or they said, and I, I mean, I've read, I didn't really, do you agree with that? Because no. I, I, I understand I, where people are, I understand where people are coming from, you know, but uh, I mean, I like, the, the. I mean, I am a Bukowski fan, but there's so many different versions of him, you know, like I like, I like uh, I like some of the or like that '60s poetry, like the from the Rooming House or the you know the Rooming House Mandibles and and uh, uh, play the piano like a percussion instrument and and uh, and uh, I like a lot of the early stuff or, or Burning in Water, Drowning in Flames, and then and I like um, I like a few of his books too. Later later on, it sort of became a formula and. And he found some celebrity, and he, he wrote a lot about going to the track and taking a crap and drinking a beer and your <laughs> family and all that shit. And that stuff was not that exciting to me, but uh, I did like some of the early stuff. Yeah, I uh, it's cause I got turned on to him in high school, and that was I'd never read anything like that, and it was just your my my brain went on fire. It was like yeah, it was like yeah. oh, there's a whole world out there. I have. But uh, yeah, and and Ham and Rye, I really like just because it's uh, it definitely steps away from that. I'm drinking a beer, taking a shit type stuff. You're speaking. Yeah, well, I mean, it, in that in that in that respect, I mean, I think that happened to a lot of us, and and I was the same way. Like when when you read him, you're like, holy 
you know, you're like, holy shit, this is this is unguarded, raw emotion. And whether the things he says you agree with or not, it's like there's something there's something brutally beautiful about it. And uh, if that's what they're comparing me to, then fan fucking tastic. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, it, he's he's not. He's not at the top of my list of my favorites, but I do appreciate him, and I do, uh, and I and and I was turned on by him the same way you and, and and millions of others were, you know. Who who are some of your favorites? Um, I like. I guess I would have to say Harry Cruz is my favorite writer. Oh man, today his memoir. Yeah, that might change tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, his memoir is. Have you read that? I can't. I'm blanking on what the title is off the top of my head. Is that in the childhood one? Yeah. Or uh, um, it starts off. I think I have a. Oh, it just it starts off with this weird tale of pre before he's born about his father, and it's like it's just it's amazingly well written. I'm I'm excited to hear someone say Harry Cruz because I rarely hear him referenced. Oh, I love him. I mean, you know, A Feast of Snakes is, um, is is one of my favorite books of all time. And I like every, I mean, the knockout artist stuff that he did later on in life. His characters are just so, I mean, I, I like, you know, I like a movie. I like a TV show. I like a book where I cannot predict what the ending of it's going to be, you know, because I'm so used to being, I don't know, any 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 bright person who, who, who watches a television show can pretty much tell you what's going to happen by the end of it. And I like to be surprised because his characters will always surprise you, you know? And, uh, <clears throat> you know, my, I think my favorite book of all time today, again, ask me again tomorrow, might be something else is coming through slaughter by Michael Andanche. And, uh, which is a great, which is an amazing book. Um, and, and I don't even list him as my favorite author, as one of my favorite authors, because I don't really get into the rest of his books, but I love that one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's, there's tons. I like, uh, I like, uh, you know, Hubert Selby Jr. Um, Seth Morgan wrote this book called Homeboy that I love a lot. And, uh, uh, like Last Bongo Sunset by Les Plesko is one of my favorites too. So, so, uh, those are all, those are all sort of down in the gutter, druggy <laughs> type books. Not not so much Harry Cruz, but he his is more. You know, I like Harry Cruz also because he's sort of got this. He's very masculine, like Bukowski, but he also is. You know, it's not it's not machismo. Not all the time. You know, he has a he has a thinking, uh, emotional side as well. There is a do yourself a favor, and there's a clip of him on the Dennis Miller show. I think sometime in the late '80s, and Dennis Miller, who you know, if if you ever seen him on, he doesn't know when to shut up. He didn't know how to fucking handle Harry Cruz, and it's amazing to watch. Just Google Harry Cruz and Dennis Miller. I'll look that up. It is, and I, and it. He says some beautiful things too, where you're just kind of like awesome. <laughs> it's like you're really just yeah. blown away by him. He's, he's he's fantastic, and when he he died like uh, what last year or maybe a year and a half ago, and uh, um, and I I had never read uh, the Gospel Singer, which is his first book, and uh, and the reason why I hadn't read it is ridiculous. But I have a thing where I like to read hardcover books, and so until I got my hands on a hardcover copy of the gospel singer, I wasn't going to read it. The problem is, is that if you, in order to find one of those, you have to spend like a thousand dollars because it's a very rare book. And, uh, but I've been watching, I'd seen a copy of the gospel singer at a, at a half price books in Austin, Texas on consignment for $450. And I watched it for two years, hoping it would go down in price. <laughs> but, uh, when Harry Cruz died, and I happened to have gotten paid for a, a a big tour that I did, and I was sort of fat with cash at the time, and so I spent four hundred fifty dollars on a book, which is retarded, but I love it, and I had to have it. That's actually a great story. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it also <clears throat> speaks highly of your passion for literature. 
Yeah. And it was it, it wasn't even autographed, I'm guessing, right? Oh no, that's uh, just a, that's a, it, it, it's a really beautiful first edition copy of the Gospel Singer, but that's it. I mean, if it was anything else, like I said, usually if you if you find them, if you go to eBay or anywhere else, you're going to pay a thousand bucks for it. So. It's, uh, uh, I was happy to get that discount. I'm, I'm guessing you read that with great care. He didn't like uh, drink coffee while reading that thing. <laughs> never, never, never. You'll never see me uh, abuse a book or set it down on its spine or anything like that. Yeah. You must uh, loathe uh, Kindles. Um. <clears throat> well, I have mixed emotions about them. I don't know anything about them. For one, <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never read one before. Uh, and uh, and I definitely encourage people to buy like the real book of of you know a real copy of my book and and Fantagraphics was cool enough to put it out in a you know really beautiful hard back edition and and uh, um, but they uh, you know the Kindle versions do pay the author really well so <laughs> are they really slightly torn by it. yeah because there's no physical you know there's no physical product they need to make so. You know your your royalty rate on a Kindle is much higher than your regular old royalty rate on a book. Well, I'm I'm just glad that uh, the corporations kicked the money up to the artists instead of, you know, because they could just be like, oh, we'll we'll keep that and you'll still get your same. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I haven't had to deal with anybody else other than Fantagraphics, so I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Uh, I wouldn't know what the you know what the man is like to work for. <laughs> I, I still have managed to avoid doing that. But uh, to entice my listeners, too, because you said something about Harry Cruz and you were saying how predictable. And it is true. I think we are so inundated with stories these days because we get more, right. more of it than ever with, you know, fucking cable. And and I do every time I watch or read something, I'm scrolling in my head, like predicting how things are going to. And you it's very difficult to do with your book. And like you said, the surprise ending, your ending of the book, which, of course, we won't discuss is you're just like what the fuck? <laughs> it's like it's it's pretty astounding. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, I wanted. Well, I mean, you know, there is there's some messages in there. There's it's a lot of there's a lot of confused feelings that that uh, that uh, again I'm trying not to give away the ending. There's a lot of confused feelings that. Uh, that males need to deal with, with, with anger and, and mourning and all that other stuff. And, and, uh, so, uh, I tried to deal with those in the most honest way possible. And, and that's what I got, you know? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fabulous book. And are you, are you, have you started another one or are you working up? Yeah, I've, I've started, um, I started the next book, which is just it basically picks up where the last one ended, and uh, I have four chapters, and each one of them is a great beginning chapter to the next book. So now I just have to figure out which direction to go. But uh, um, uh, you know, once this, uh, once the book tour and all this other uh, stuff uh, settles in, I got a couple months off, and I'm going to dive into the next one and and. Uh, I need to get that discipline back that it took me to write the to write the book because um you know it, uh, that's uh once you once you once you're on vacation from that daily writing then it it, it takes a little bit to get back into it but, but I shall make sure to keep the facebook on and your internet <laughs> <laughs> all those things help a great deal um, yeah your yeah, Twitter yeah. feed <laughs> yeah i actually i actually just i have to just turn off my connection to to the internet with if I want to get anything done. There's just no way because I will check it every five minutes or ten or whatever. I set, a, I set an alarm for myself and like you will write for an hour and you won't get up and you won't go to the bathroom. Nothing's going to stop you from doing that. I, I have to. Yeah, do you ever think about just disappearing into a cabin? Because that always sounds like such an enticing thing to me. Um... It's not how I've ever done it before. I mean, you know, in, in case we die, it was written in fucking holiday inns and comfort inns and motel sixes all across the country. So, uh, I guess they can be cabin-like at times. I never turn on the TV, so that helps. 
Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if I don't really. I'm not a big fan of nature, so <laughs> cabin sounds terrible. I don't mind it, but uh, it lacks coffee shops and uh, and taverns. Yes. <laughs> it's like it lacks a exactly. couple things I really need. Precisely, uh, precisely. And where is uh, where can the listeners find you have a uh, you definitely you have a website you have a Twitter feed can you please share those so everybody can go and buy this book which I highly suggest yes you can you can go you know you can buy that book from from Fanographics Fanographics dot com or you can go to Amazon or uh, you can uh, you can follow me on Facebook or I'm uh, Mr Danny Bland on. At, on Twitter, uh, that's M R D A N N Y B L A N D, and uh, yeah, any Instagram, all that shit, I got it all. Oh, and yeah, and I don't want to forget because you mentioned the audio book, and we didn't really discuss that oh, at all. And you have like a lot of uh, guests reading chapters. I, if I'm not mistaken, Wayne Kramer read a chapter. Wayne Kramer's on there. Dave Alvin, uh, Greg Dooley. Uh, Duff McKagan is on there, leaving Mark Arm and Eddie Spaghetti, local Seattle rockers. John Doe is on there, Damian Eccles, Mark Lanigan, uh, Tony Fitzpatrick, uh, the amazing uh, Chicago fine artist, and uh, Lou Beach, who's an artist down there in, in uh, Los Angeles. Mike McCready from Pearl Jam reads one, and uh, Lou Temple is an actor who's on the, the Walking Dead and many other things, and. Uh, Couple of guys from Sons of Anarchy read, so and Amy Mann, of course. Wow, that's so uh, yeah. And how do how does that uh, how do you get that audiobook? Same same means. Same means you, you can go to iTunes and look for uh, In Case We Die, and you can download it there, or you can just go to uh, I think if you just type in In Case We Die dot com, it'll lead you to uh, the the Bandcamp uh, uh, website where you can download it from there too. That's that's awesome. That thank you very much, Danny. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking time to talk to me. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Please go around the uh, Feral Audio. Check out the other shows there. Donate money to Dustin Marshall. Keep Feral Audio alive. I thank you very much. And power to the people. Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.